Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 13 of the Next Byte Podcast. On today's episode, we're talking about how AlphaFold solved protein folding, NASA tracking firefighters in buildings, and an autonomous shuttle debuting on college campuses in Denmark. I'm Daniel. And I'm Forbode. And this is the Next Byte Podcast. Every week, we explore interesting and impactful tech and engineering content from Weevolver.com and deliver it to you in bite-sized episodes that are easy to understand, regardless of your background. All right, let's get rolling with our first article, which is about AlphaFold. It's actually the name of an algorithm made by DeepMind, which is a Google or Alphabet subsidiary. Oh, dude, DeepMind is... uh... Shoot, like I think like two years ago, they came up with an AI that beat the world's best Go player, which is like this Chinese game. Yeah, so that algorithm was called AlphaGo. This yeah, yeah, about yeah. Protein folding, and it's called AlphaFold. So, needless to say, DeepMind, there are a bunch of OGs there that are solving <laughs> huge computation problems. I just want to shout out John O'Brien first. Thank you for suggesting this topic. Um, we're excited to get rolling on it. So, basically, um, what AlphaFold does is it determines pro- well, how proteins fold and why this is important. Proteins make up basically a lot of the things in the world around us. It's not just like the white powder that you scoop into your shake um, or the thing that chicken breasts have 54 grams of. Proteins make up a lot of the world around us. Like protein is in the DNA, which defines like who we are genetically. It's also gotcha. an RNA, which makes viruses like COVID-19 that have suddenly become of serious importance to us. So proteins make up all those things. I, I really appreciate the protein rundown, by the way. As someone that only took one bio class in high school and got a B minus, that was very nice. Very yeah, well man, just get, getting, a, getting some basics down for everyone yeah, first. Yeah, great. Explain like I'm five content right here. I appreciate it. Awesome. So the difference or the main difference between the protein that makes up COVID-19, like the virus that could get you sick, and like the stuff that there's 54 grams of in a chicken breast, one of the main differences between that is just the shape of the protein. So most right. proteins... Um, have the same amino acids in them. There's actually only 20 different amino acids, which are the building blocks of proteins. Oh, cool. And the only thing that's different from one protein to the other is the shape of it. And the shape determines the function, the shape, the size, and all these different things. Um, And the way that shape is determined is just the order of which those 20 different amino acids are sequenced in, in like the sequence of that protein. So there's this competition called CASP, which has basically been trying to bring people's focus on decoding how the sequence of amino acids in this list determines the shape and, again, the overall function and the characteristics of this protein. Nice. So they've so, had a competition. It's based on a Nobel Prize winner from 50 years ago, and they've been running the competition for about 25 years. Gotcha. So how does the competition work? Like Basically, what? they have scientists determine the shape of a protein. So they already know the shape. And they also determine the sequence, the order of these amino acids. And they give teams the list of amino acids and the order that they are in the protein. And they basically ask these teams to predict the shape. And then they compare the geometry of the shape that the contestants came up with and then the geometry of the actual protein that they've already determined. So between those two, they compare them and then they do a percent accuracy between the geometry generated by the teams and then the actual real one. So they they get the final answer 
like they've been doing traditionally and just ask the contestants to walk backwards with their algorithms based on the amino acid information, right? Yeah. Nice. So no one had ever broken 60% accuracy until 2018. The first people to break that 60% barrier were DeepMind, none other than the folks that made AlphaFold. They hit 75% in 2018. They were like, we know we can still do better. So they went back to the drawing board, actually rebuilt the whole thing from the ground up based on a new mechanism. And now they broke through in 2020, 90% accuracy, which you can basically say is like, they've almost solved protein folding, which is insane. So they they have the solution now, right? Like, are, are they using it for anything? Yeah, so in the competition in 2020, one of the most notable things they did was they actually were able to predict the shape of a COVID-19 protein. So um, very relevant to all of us today living in this Extremely. Pandemic. They also, now since then, outside of the competition setting, have been using AlphaFold to study other parts of COVID-19, understand how the sequence of the proteins in COVID-19 um, determines the way that it manifests in the body, creates symptoms, and how we can treat it with drugs, which is super interesting. Um, there's also like a pretty cool story. Well, I don't know. It wouldn't be cool for me if I was the researcher at the Max Planck Institute. He's been trying to determine the shape of this protein for decades and decades. And he got his hands on the AlphaFold algorithm and it solved it in 30 seconds. Or sorry, 30 minutes. So half an hour. <laughs> 30 seconds. <laughs> not 30 seconds. 30 minutes. <laughs> They had solved this problem that he'd been working on for decades in half an hour. So okay. I'd be relieved, right? They solved this problem. But also, I don't know. I mean, 10 years. Work, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or a decade of work poured into things. So like the, the main takeaway is that with us now understanding protein folding via alpha fold, understanding diseases and making new drugs is like faster than ever, right? Yeah. That is so cool. Yeah. That is so cool. Basically, uh, you know, once we've fully cracked this code, which AlphaFold seems to be well on their way to doing, um, you can work forward or backwards. So take the sequence and understand what the protein will look like or take the protein and break it down into the sequence and learn how to make drugs to treat it and all sorts of cool things. So, I'm looking forward to all the different al- applications of AlphaFold, whether it's creating new drugs or making sure something like COVID doesn't happen at this scale anymore if we understand it quicker. But for now... Let's move on to article number two, and we're going to be looking at a joint effort between NASA's Jet Proportion Laboratory and the Department of Homeland Security. Now, you might be thinking, what an odd pairing. Is uh, Homeland Security trying to go to Mars? And the answer is no, but they do want to protect firefighters. Um, Every year, about 80 to 100 firefighters pass away in the line of work, and obviously you want to make sure that they're as safe as possible. And one of the issues here is that once a firefighter enters a building, the longer they're in there, the risk of getting um, a fatal injury increases. And once they're in the building, you're not really sure where they are because, you know, they spread out to put out fires or help people and not knowing where they are can lead to complications if you need to go and retrieve them if it's been too long that they've been in the building. So with that in mind, these two came together to create a system that basically just tracks firefighters in buildings and make sure that they're healthy. So they all they're doing is using some sensors to determine their location. Yep. I imagine yep. just based on some previous knowledge, I know that they can't use <clears throat> GPS or radio for this, right? You know, mm-hmm. that's typically gets interfered by external structures. So what are they using? Yeah, you're absolutely right. RF and GPS, although they work great outside, 
um, materials inside of buildings actually interfere. So okay. they're either inaccurate or they shut up, just don't work. They're using something that I've never heard of before, which is magneto quasi static fields. And just for my sake, we're just going to call it MQS from here on out. Yeah, I'm cool with MQS. <laughs> so MQS, the cool thing about it is that all the materials that RF and um, GPS struggle with are essentially invisible to MQS. That means the, the waves can permeate. Cool. Dope. That means you can use it inside of buildings. Um, and the way they've structured the system is that you have a transmitter, a receiver, and a base. So the transmitter is going to be on the fire truck and it's going to transmit these MQS waves. The receiver is going to be on the sensor pack that every single firefighter is going to wear. And every time they're sensed by the field, they bounce back a signal to the base, which is essentially a laptop on the truck that is going to create a visual representation of where all these firefighters are at. Now, a cool note, not only do you know the position of the firefighters, but you know their orientation. So whether they've fallen down or they're still standing up. And you can awesome. look at a map and know where they are in this structure at all times. That's right. A um, couple quick um, figures about how accurate the system is and its limitations and whatnot. Currently, this iteration can operate within a range of 70 meters. And they've determined that that's really all you need for most uh, occurrences where you need firefighters. And the accuracy of it, they did a recent test in a three-story building. It's accurate within plus or minus one meter in the worst case scenario, but in the best case scenario, or typically like a normal operation, mm -hmm. it's just a couple centimeters. So That's it's incredible. Like, yeah, it's pretty good at determining where people are at all throughout the building. Well, And I and know so like even the standard that we use for outdoor location, GPS, is only accurate within like two to three meters. So their new system is more accurate than GPS, which we kind of use as the gold standard for locating someone. Yeah. So I'm excited for this, man. Like, it, it would be so great to limit injuries, obviously. And firefighters do so much. They help our communities. And this is just such a great effort from these two organizations to come together and protect these people that do so much to protect us. I agree. My younger brother, Caleb, is a firefighter. So, you know, sometimes I worry about if he goes in a structure fire and they can't locate him if he get injured or hurt or killed. But something like this kind of gives a level of assurance in that, you know, with this type of technology rolling out, there's an extra safety blanket and um, using technology to make sure that, you know, some of the bravest people um, going in and putting out fires and saving people um, are also protected as well. So I think this is great. Definitely. I agree with you. I'm going to roll us on to our third article. And I say rolling because we're talking about <laughs> autonomous shuttles. So it's a... Oh, that's a good pun. That's a yeah, great pun. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. It's talking about Nobina. Um, which is the largest auto transport bus group in the Nordic region. So that's like Denmark. Um, they created an electric autonomous shuttle called Link that can carry up to 15 people and it can go up to 20 kilometers per hour. So think about like a big kind of slow bubble that holds 15 people in it, but it's safe transport and it's completely autonomous. And they're testing it starting for six months at Denmark Technical University. What is it about college campuses? Uh, yeah, so for our listeners that don't know, Daniel and I went to George Mason University, and I think, what was it, like two, three years ago at this point, Starship Technologies rolled out their delivery robots within our university to test it out before spreading it everywhere else. Like, I guess it's yeah, just the it fact was the first that, place that these robots were tested in the U.S. Right. And it was at our college campus, and now they're testing autonomous buses for the first time in Denmark at Denmark Technological University. I also know in the U.S. they've tested autonomous shuttles for the first time at Texas, a Texas AMU. 
University of Michigan, University of Southern Florida, something about colleges and new technology. I think it's just what, what, like people are more open to change. Like maybe we're just a perfect dynamic because we're secluded from everyone else, the rest of the city. And you can really test out new tech to see how it works with people. Is, is Maybe that's it. I don't know. Or they've only got one governing body, governing body to talk to. And that's the university rather than, you know, talking about using public land for that. But and if the students don't like it, well, that's tough. It's happening. <laughs> well, it, it is really interesting how they use colleges. And I know you yeah. and I were really excited to see the Starship Technologies robots on our campus. Um, I'd be really excited to go to Denmark Techno University and ride one of these autonomous shuttles as well. Um, this kind of fits into a bigger picture of what Denmark is trying to do in the Copenhagen yeah. area. They call it their Denmark Grand Transportation Plan. Copenhagen is one of the biggest cities in the Nordic re- Nordic region, and they're mm-hmm. building train stations to connect 29 different areas in the suburbs to Denmark, or sorry, to Copenhagen. So basically, the entire Copenhagen suburban area will be able to use mass transport to get anywhere in that entire suburban area without having to drive a car, reduce the carbon footprint, and everyone can trust and rely on mass transport, which would be great. That That's a great step towards actually like green transportation, making sure everyone uses public transportation instead of using their own cars. Yeah, that's, that's it's a great, something that's that seems solid to be step. lost on a lot of us. A lot of the cities in the United States is having Absolutely. a reliable public transportation system that you can trust. But one of the issues they were finding with this grand transportation plan is that they still have trouble getting people in the first mile and last mile of transport. So it's really, really expensive and labor intensive to set up a ton of light rail stations everywhere. So it's not like, Makes sense. you know, you can have a bus a bus stop on every block, but it doesn't really make sense to have a train station on every single block. So they still need some way to get people from their houses to the train station and then also from the train station to their destination in the city. So what they're using or planning on using is these autonomous shuttles and they're testing it first at DTU. And basically, if this works, they will have some guidelines on how they plan to move forward and integrate some autonomous systems to do the last mile of transportation, um, micromobility, as we like to call it, you know, some scooter, electric scooter companies like Lime and Bird, they also kind of try to address this issue mm-hmm. of using, you know, some type of sustainable electric transport to handle this micromobility, you know, from, you know, you have a reliable way that gets you from point A to point B. Um, but there are tiny trips in there that you have to make that you also want to be low impact on the environment. They're essentially like covering end-to-end transport, right? Like they want to make sure from you getting out of your house to going wherever you want to go, you have a green, affordable, and efficient method of transportation, right? And these shuttles are going to come into the first and last bit of that process. And That is so cool. Starting with DTU, they're going to be collecting a lot of data, seeing how the students use them, seeing how the community uses them, also how it integrates with the rest of the community. So how does it do in traffic? How does it deal with other cars? Um, How does it do in weather conditions? These are type of things that you can't test in a closed loop system. You have to actually go try it out in the real world to collect this data and understand it. They're going to take this data back and use it to inform the grand transportation plan. So basically, it'll be the last piece of the puzzle for Denmark to connect Copenhagen and all the suburbs with sustainable transport. I'm excited for the Danish people. Honestly, I hope it works out for them so that we can get it here because I am tired of driving into D.C. I, I just want an autonomous bus that takes me to the train, that takes me to the city, that's affordable and efficient. You know, small wishes. Yeah, it's what dreams uh, are made of. <laughs> exactly. 
Uh, with that said, I think it's a great point to actually wrap up today's episode. I agree. Um, yeah, as usual, if you've been listening, you know exactly what we're going to say at this point. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting us. We hit 3,000 downloads, so you guys are incredible. You seem to love to interact with us on social media, so follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. Daniel, go ahead and plug. What, what's your handle on Twitter? People really popped off on that last thread. <laughs> the Daniel Mitch on Twitter. The Daniel Mitch, yeah. And hey, follow me, Forbode the Moog, at Forbode the Moog, actually. But follow us, follow the next bite, interact, and tell us what you want to see. Thank you, and see you in the next episode. Peace. That's all for today. The Next Bite Podcast is produced by Weevolver. And to learn more about the topics we discussed today, visit Weevolver.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please review and subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or one of your favorite platforms. I'm Forbode. And I'm Daniel. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.